Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. So the title of today's episode is Observations of Success. This was a really fun bit of research I did recently when, uh, full disclosure, I was commissioned to write an article for CEO World by the same title. And ultimately what it was is part reflection of what I've done personally, professionally, athletically uh, over the past 15 years. You know, it was a fun time of reflection and finding out what I did right, what I did wrong and sharing that. Um, but also the reason it's not just a reflection, but also an observation is I was able to take the vantage point, kind of a unique vantage point I have as a financial advisor and share a lot of the things I noticed from my wealthiest and most successful clients over the past 15 years in this business. So this is a, it was a fun bit of research. I hope that I can communicate uh, succinctly in this monologue, the different habits and findings that I uncovered and at least that I remembered over the past 15 years. And we'll lay it all out there. So hopefully you can take some of these little nuggets of information, these simple exercises and commonalities that I've noticed and, you know, employ them in your own life and perhaps get a, another level of success that you didn't know you even had within you. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind everyone to please go check out my weekly newsletter. It's called Weekly Wealthy Wisdom. This is a free e-newsletter that I send out every Monday. It has some of my latest findings, research, just what I've been up to, insights on you know books I'm reading, documentaries, cool gadgets and technology, uh, different things that I've read on wealth and economics. Any, it's very relevant to today's topic, and we pack it all into about a three-minute read that you can have every Monday just to cover all things you know, wealth and well-being. And I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but we have tens of thousands of subscribers already and have had tremendous feedback. So I promise you will not be disappointed by just having one more email. Uh, I know you can get bogged down very easy in today's day and age with emails, but this one will not disappoint. So please go to my website, www.briancaderna.com. It's just my full name.com. And at the top, you'll see a link to sign up for Weekly Wealthy Wisdom. But now on to today's topic, observations of success. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. So number one. Something that I've recognized is to distinguish talent from ambition. You can count on them getting the job done. They'll work at it until they get it. All right. Those are the ambitious people, the worker bees of the world. However, you'll notice that really ambitious people, they're destined to be good just by virtue of not giving up and having that persistence and that, that attitude, but they're not always going to be great. And that's where this X factor of talent comes into play. All right. So I think a good example of that is, you know, just think about Tom Brady. You know, here we are in the midst of the football season. I know he's retired, but in my opinion, he's the greatest football player to ever live. And if you noticed his mental and physical gifts that he had combined with that natural ambition that we all saw, you know, every Sunday, he could have been a lot, a good at a lot of different things. All right. He could have been a great business executive. He might have been a really good pitcher in baseball. 
you know, all sorts of leadership roles that people would say, oh, Tom Brady, we wish we could have had him. And he probably would have been good at them, but he may never have been great. He may never have been the greatest ever that we recognize him as the man that was on the gridiron. And that's where ambition oftentimes can become a trap. All right. So one of those recruiters in business or in baseball or another endeavor, they might have said, hey, he's a perfect fit. They bring him on and he would have been good enough to be good enough, most likely. But he may not have been great. All right. So what happens is that non-ambitious people, they may have some particular talent, but sometimes they trudge through life until eventually a spark lights that fire that ultimately illuminates you know, what it is that they can possibly be. So leaders ought to find employees that are motivated by their role, not their genetics. Okay, so talent, that's where it becomes very important that we recognize talent, sometimes even more than ambition. Ambition can be like a safe bet when we make that higher. But finding the talent, that's where we can find the true diamond in the rough. And if we can find them both, a talented person that's ambitious about whatever that job is, that's where we can truly build a superhero. So I think it's important that we distinguish talent from ambition. It's very easy to just see an ambitious go-getter and say, boy, they're talented, but they have a ceiling, all right? And we could see someone that's ultra-talented and mistake them for being a very ambitious person just because they get the job done quicker and easier than the next guy, but they might lack that ambition. So it's very critical that we notice the difference between the two. And again, if we can capture both in the right spot, then you know we're cruising on uh, autopilot at that point. The next thing that I want to share as far as an observation on success is to get excited. All right. There's a saying that nothing great was done without enthusiasm. I think that's just another way of saying if you're not excited about what you're doing, then move on. All right. Arguably, the most important part of achieving success is being in the right place. Unfortunately, it's one of the hardest things we have to do in life is find what exactly is the right spot for us. All right, particularly going back to that ambitious person where they can at least achieve mediocrity in almost any field. All right, but there's so much in this huge world. We only have one lifetime to go get after it. And there's so many different detours and things that are going to take us off course all throughout life. So it's certainly a tough task and a tall order to find what is that perfect niche for us? What's our true calling? All right, so. The easiest way to determine, in my opinion, if you're on the right path, is to chase that which excites you. All right. I've seen this through clients. I've noticed it within myself. When I do my best work, I don't want to stop. I'm so excited and energized by it. And when I do my worst work, it's often the exact opposite. It's something that I just can't stand doing. I'm just doing it to get the job done. And usually the results, frankly, they show. So if you go on where others in your field would get bored, all right. So think about it. You're talking about something that everyone else in the room is starting to doze off, but you just want to keep going. That is most likely your calling. You're excited where other people are just sick and tired of hearing about it already. All right. So I notice this sometimes when I do these finance seminars uh, where I go even past the allotted time that they've given me to be on the stage. But I, there's so much more that I want to discuss. That's when I know that I'm within my, uh, you know, in my lane, if you will. So even when I, I deal with a lot of doctors in my practice, when doctors go on about the latest studies or trials or therapies that they want to share with me, maybe a technology that they're really pumped up about that they're doing, you know, working with on the job, 
That's when, if I'm a patient, I know that's the person that I want to be working with. All right. That's when I know I found the right doctor as opposed to the one that, you know, just doesn't want to be bothered with it because it's just not something they want to dig deeper into. All right. So find excitement, find excitement in yourself and in those around you. And you're on one of those shortcuts, in my opinion, to success. All right. It's kind of in the same vein. The next habit that I'd uh, mention is going to be de detect distractions. It's a bit of a tongue twister. All right. Detect distractions. If everything's distracting you and you can't focus on what it is that you're doing. All right. That's not going to be the right pursuit for you. All right. That's where we have the difference between excitement and boredom. OK, think about it. I mean, would you ever get married to the person that you can't keep your eyes on? All right. You're always distracted. Probably not. That's not going to be the best relationship for you. All right. You know, I, I kind of think about it, you know, um, you know, when my kids were younger and I'd walk in the house and they're watching TV and they're tuned into this cartoon and you could be screaming and yelling about what's going on in the world. And they're just you talk about tunnel vision. That's literally what they had. Uh, I think you want to find out what's what's that thing that gives you tunnel vision, you know, where there's no distractions. You're so dialed in. That's going to be synonymous with that pursuit that gives you excitement. All right. So uh, find that cartoon that lures you in and you can't step away from it. The next thing, again, you'll notice there's a lot of commonalities here, even in these traits that I find from the uber successful All right, is to be curious. All right. So like I just mentioned, the last one was to detect distractions. If you're seeing them come up and up again and again, move on. Get excited. If you're excited, stay stay on that topic. If you're not, move on quickly. Again, we said we have a short lifetime here with a gigantic world. All right. And then in that same vein is the the habit of staying curious and being curious. All right. I was told that the scariest part of dying is unsatisfied curiosities. You know, if we had done it all and if we knew it all, we'd say, okay, I'm at peace. All right. But if there's so many more things that we want to know about, that we want to see, that we want to do, I think that's something that can be really scary to know that we wouldn't have gotten there. Okay. So for people that are struggling to find excitement, just pursue your curiosities. What do you want to know more about? What are you asking questions about? It's rare that you're going to ask questions and do some research or read about things that have no interest to you. So just as it's rare not to have questions about what you do care about. All right. So be curious, find out what that is, and then stick to it. And then just to kind of elaborate on these points, you'll see they're kind of building off of each other. The next one I would posit is to focus on questions, not on answers. Okay. It's a great exemplification of the prior tip. Uh, you know, Paul Graham wrote a really good essay I'd recommend to everyone. It's called How to Do Great Work. I'll even put that in the show notes for you guys. And in that essay, Graham said that curiosity, delight, and desire to do something impressive are primary sources of motivation. All right. So I would classify delight as more of a symptom of success and impressing others is kind of like a temporary satisfaction. Um, you know, just as if you were going to post on social media all day, it could give you a little boost, but it may not really accomplish much in the long run. So that leaves that last uh, motivator there to be the champion, in my opinion, which is curiosity. OK, proving that questions do outweigh answers. You know, you think about in today's day and age with artificial intelligence, we can get the answer to anything. I could go on my phone and ask Siri or I could hop right on Google and 
pretty much get the the answer to any question I have uh, within reason. But if you ever said, you know, hey, Siri, what's the right question to ask? You know, try that on ChatGPT and see what the response is. Okay, this is the shortcoming of robots and and artificial intelligence is that they're not going to guide you down the right path of what you need to learn more about. They'll just answer what that question is. Okay. Then the next thing, and for any of you that have already read my book, again, my latest book is called What Should I Do With My Money? I'm sure you noticed very quickly in the intro, I examine all these different economic hot button issues through the lens of mice. And what MICE stands for is money, ideology, compromise, and ego. Okay, I have found these four innate considerations to be present in every meaningful decision, whether it's for myself or the people that I deal with in business. Money, ideology, compromise, and ego are always there. And if we can understand how to detect those and how they influence people, then that really puts us in a position of control. Okay. So mind the mice. That is another observation. Uh, You know, maybe I've kind of been tied to it through my book, but I'll be honest, I've noticed that from people way smarter than me that have shared that as well. And then next up, I would say own all that you do. All right. How often in history were we told to do something that became great? Okay. You think about it, you know, when did, did someone say, hey, George Washington, you know, go save America? You know, no, that was something he had within. Okay, you think about the titans of business, uh, any endeavor for that matter, they lead the way. Okay, it's it's hard to remember great followers. Okay, because they don't own it. So if you treat it like it's your own, then it's easy to be successful when it truly is your own. Next up, I would say that really successful people, they just do something. Okay, it's like that old Nike, uh, you know, slogan, I think it's still their slogan of just do it. All right. There's infinite media channels out there that have empowered everyone to claim their own expertise. All right, there's experts everywhere. I've seen more keynote speakers that are branded as keynote speakers than there are stages in the world. So I would say that most people are more agreeable to learn from person, someone that's done something that's been able to share their own trials and tribulations rather than just hear them profess about professing, right? Which we certainly see a lot of that uh, in social media today. So get out there, you know, fail fast, get your hands dirty and just do something. That's something every super successful person I've met, uh, they're out there on the forefront and they have the experience um, to back up what it is that they've done. The next thing, and again, this is synonymous. If you look at my my top clients, my top coworkers, anyone I've dealt with over the past 15 years, they are voracious readers, okay? And not just in their own domain, whatever their profession might be, but oftentimes over, you know, a very diverse array of topics. So if, if you believe that history repeats itself, or if you just say, you know, it seems to rhyme, uh, you know, the only way to know about it is to know about it. And, and the easiest way to do that is by reading. OK, earlier I mentioned, you know, that fear of unfulfilled curiosities and that it seems like some people just get lucky enough to find their calling. All right. I think a lot of that can be nullified by just going out and reading. All right. I, I love uh, George R. R. Martin. You know, I'm sure a lot of people recognize him as the creator of Game of Thrones. He famously said, a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. 
So I couldn't agree with him more. I love that quote. And uh, it's something I, I try and, you know, do all the time in my life. Every morning I wake up with a coffee, cup of coffee and a quick reading for about a half hour. And I know a lot of other very successful people that have built that into their daily routine, routine as well. My next observation of success is to know others. I know this probably goes without saying and might even sound a bit silly, but this project of mine began as a reflection, a bit of a know thyself, you know, my own successes and failures. But it didn't take long until I realized it was really observations of others and their successes that influenced and taught me. So it reminds me of a scene from Goodwill Hunting, one of my favorite movies. And you might know this if you're a fan, where Robin Williams, who plays the therapist, is sitting on a bench by the lake, and he asks his genius patient, who's played by Matt Damon, who's your soulmate? He asks him, who challenges you? Who opens the world to you? And then Matt Damon replies, kind of sarcastically, Shakespeare and, and a list of other you know, legendary writers that have really influenced him. And then Robin Williams simply replies, they're all dead. Reading does have its limits. You know, like I mentioned earlier, it's a commonality I've seen among all the uber successful. But in order to really know someone and to adopt those habits and those ways of life, you got to know someone. So reading can certainly offer the certainty of studying a proven success where it could take years to know a living intellectual equal as someone that you could pick off of a shelf. But studying can never compare to knowing. So we need to know others. The next habit that I found among the very successful is to not be loyal to the idea. All right, so if everything mentioned thus far requires attempts, usually many attempts before we even come close to getting it right, that means we need to be able to move on from what's not right. The only way to know what it is not right is to be able to let go. I know that sounds very philosophical, but this is where beliefs and relationships can really complicate matters. All right, if the idea that we're pursuing has been tagged as a belief, then disassociating from it can be near impossible. It's almost like creating a religion out of this passion of ours. Sometimes people do change their religion in their lifetime, but it usually doesn't happen more than once, and it's pretty rare. So don't limit your goals, your inventions, your discoveries to so few opportunities. Don't pigeonhole yourself. All right. Similarly, people cannot be the idea. This is another one that can get really tricky. You know, have you ever seen a man leave his job where he met his wife? It can be a very emotionally charged and, and frankly sad move that they might have to make. So the idea and the relationship, they must be viewed separately or else we're not giving fair justice to the idea, whether it's good or bad. All right. So again, don't be loyal to the idea. All right. Don't tie in relationships. Don't make it a belief that we can never, ever leave. All right. Sometimes, you know, once it's the right thing, certainly we need to be persistent. But if it's not, we can't just hang around missing out on other opportunities. The next habit, prioritize yourself. I was taught early on in business that you put your client or your customer first. Always. That should go without saying. You put yourself second and then the company or the team third. And I, that last part I know is what creates a bit of a controversy out there. But putting the team last, as backwards as that may sound, you know, there's no I in team. We've all heard that a million times. But we have to create a, a happy customer or a happy client. 
in an ethical matter. And if we can do that in such a way that we benefit, then that creates a lasting team. All right, any other order, either harming the customer or the client, of course, that's never going to last very long. And then degrading your own self-worth, that's a barrier to success. All right, good teachers and mentors, they work for their protégés before their protégés really start to work and benefit them. And they likely reach that upper echelon of team building, the positions that we know, kind of the icons of business. They likely got there by focusing on their customers first and then on their selves, on themselves early in their career so that they can make those big jumps. The next thing, and this is a relatively new one, especially since the pandemic, is the ability to work or relax anywhere. All right, you might think of this as a luxury, but if you can incorporate it, I mean, I could argue that it's even a necessity to really get the, the perfect life, work-life balance that, that we also desire. All right, so if you think of stoicism, you know, that's another buzzword we hear a lot today. It's often interpreted as being able to maintain peace or calm regardless of the situation. In other words, just to be in control of your thoughts, all right? It's to kind of close your eyes on a cold, rainy day and be able to truly believe that you're laying on a beach in paradise or to be working at peak performance from a laptop at your own kitchen table. So whether it's changing your shirt to, uh, you know, just moving into another room of the house, being able to switch modes quickly while working remotely is really a blessing that can accelerate the work relax cycle and free up exponential time, which ultimately is the greatest asset that we all have. And then we just have a few more observations that I wanna share here. The next one is to stay in shape. Okay, this is a, another one I know we're all battling in a finite amount of time and all these different pressures and things kind of tugging on us every day to focus again on ourselves and our own physical well-being uh, is to stay in shape. It needs to be a priority. All right, mental health has become one of the greatest points of emphasis in the 21st century, but its ties to physical health are unquestionable. All right, scientists out there have designed countless pills uh, to affect countless ailments that are out there that have just as many side effects as I could even think of, but many of them could have been addressed initially by just a good old workout. So successful people I've found, they usually don't get in shape, they stay in shape. And then last but not least is to harness the power of momentum. All right, momentum could be seen as like the great multiplier in life. It can make us way stronger than we ever knew we could be. And unfortunately, it can tear us down uh, much quicker than we even thought possible. So it can be our friend or our foe, just a really a tool that we need to be in control of. And this tip, you know, maybe it does, deserves to come last because all the prior bullets before this that I've addressed they can build a more conf <clears throat> excuse me, confident and optimistic you. And all that's left after that is just to repeat the process. So it is important to keep going when you're hot. And it's equally as important to, when the going gets tough, sometimes the tough get going and go somewhere else to decompress, regroup, reset, and then live to fight another day. So these are all behaviors and routines that I've teased out from some of the most successful people I've ever been fortunate enough to be associated with. 
And they're ones that I really try to have used to improve my own well-being. Uh, and I can really, you know, kind of be a, um, a testament to, to how effective they can be when you do incorporate them in your daily life. And give them a shot and remember that this is an incomplete list, always looking to be expanded. So until next time, thank you for tuning in. Please, again, go sign up for our newsletter, Weekly Wealthy Wisdom. And keep on tuning in. Leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe uh, wherever you're listening today. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Caderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Caderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Caderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.